Uh, so, uh, what's Finland like? I, I mean, to live in. It's nice. <laughs> Wait, you're coming back, right, Mike? Because if things go bad for Trump, then I'm president. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Good. That's going to work out just great. I, I can't wait to, for that to happen. <laughs> and, hey, uh, impeachment moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around, you might miss it. Wow. Looks like I'm here all alone. Actually, sir, Stephen Miller wanted to talk to you. <laughs> oh. oh. Fantastic. Here he is. Oh, thanks for coming by, Stephen. <laughs> Do you have any way out of this impeachment? I have an idea. Oh, really? Spin it, huh? Fighting, corruption, deep state. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Get Nicholas Cage to steal the Constitution and then blame it on immigrants? Uh, you really think that'll work? God, he's good. <laughs> he's good. And speaking of good, Rudy Giuliani is back from his appearance on Fox News. He's still in stage makeup. <laughs> killed on Hannity. Uh, did you say killed? That's right. And I'll kill again. <laughs> and live from New York, it's Saturday night. It's Saturday Night Live. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 45, Episode 2 of SNL with host Phoebe Waller-Bridge and musical guest Taylor Swift. I'm John Murray, and I'm joined this week by comedy aficionado and generally affable bloke, Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy the following selected highlights from this week's discussion. And if you'd like to hear our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com forward slash snlpodcast. It's our patrons who make the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash snlpodcast. All right, enjoy. Welcome back, Steve. How are we doing this week? We're doing great. How are you, Jen? I'm not doing too bad. Um, I want to move quick tonight because even though I say I'm not doing too bad, I am actually a little under the weather, and uh, so I don't want to draw this out and maybe lose steam. So let's, uh, while I've still got a little bit of uh, energy to muster, why don't we uh, plow forward here? Sure. Let's plow. Excellent. But before we jump in, I want to thank some of our newest patrons and also a few former patrons who have come back on board. So my thanks to James Fotheringham from Melbourne, Australia, Darren Patterson of the SNL Nerds podcast, Mikey Leffler from Miami Beach, Florida, Taylor Hampton of Chicago, Illinois by way of Juilliard, and Joshua Connolly of Fort Worth, Texas. To all of our patrons, thank you so very much for your support. Why don't we take a look at the monologue? Sure. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is sexually depraved, foul-mouthed, and dangerous. I am uh, utterly impressed by Mm. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and I can really see the appeal. And that monologue especially, it was so expertly handled. Mm. Yeah, she made some of those jokes land so well. Everything about the the patiently waiting genitalia (laughs) was just so well sold. And it was just a great crescendo to the whole thing. And uh, yeah. I mean, I thought I had a sick mind, and I've been in a lot of large crowds, but it, that is not ever something that I had considered myself, so I guess there's still hope for me. Yeah, no, that was definitely a strong bit. My feeling was, 
if this whole, you know, producing TV thing doesn't work out for her, she could have a bright future as a stand-up comic. Like she Absolutely. really, really had great timing, great poise, great delivery. And like you said, the, uh, you know, everyone's got genitalia. They're just waiting around bit. That is a solid stand-up bit. It could go toe to toe with the best of them. So I was surprised that, uh, she actually doesn't have some sort of like comedic performance background. She has performance background, obviously, and she has writing background. So she has all the pieces, but they come together so beautifully in this kind of a monologue that uh, I was, I was really impressed. I'm a plus for me. I thought this was great. The Channel 7 Midday News Team compete for least criminal race. Now, this had a, a great little setup, and uh, <laughs> it definitely flourished into a beautiful, you know, multiracial flower with <laughs> yes. white and black that's, petals. It's a very delicate way to uh, to put it, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. It, it oh, yeah. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It was beautiful to watch, and the the rivalry, how it upstaged their actual jobs of delivering the news. <laughs> sure. And you know how they cross that line of <laughs> of journalistic integrity right. for the sake of winning one for their team. Mm -hmm. It shows a kind of divide, and you know how we hope that we don't have poor representations for our uh, for you know for people we identify with. Yep. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a really hilarious way to shed some light on that whole issue. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it too. Um, this is something that Ego worked on. So there's a bit of her voice here and she was, you know, front and center in it as well. So, um, I want to just call attention to that, that we haven't had a lot of great moments from Ego, but I think this is one that she needs to put in her portfolio. Cause I think this one really delivered. Um, I agree with you. This was fun and it did flower into a, you know, a, a multiracial blossom of wonderfulness. Oui. I think it works because it's not mean spirited. Like if these guys were actually kind of throwing barbs and at each other's throat, you wouldn't have got the same results from it. But no. because these guys have some camaraderie and they understand that, sure, they're all getting caught up in the moment, but it, it, it it's not to denigrate anyone. It's just simply, right. it, it's just simply wanting to know that your culture is putting its best foot forward and just feeling a little, um, you know, brokenhearted, you know, when, yeah. when, uh, your culture doesn't kind of live up to expectations or what you would, would love to be able to say. Right. And Chris red, I think his character is making, he's helping make that clear. Cause He's kind of keeping the score. He's like the cheerleader. Yeah. So it gives a sense of a, of almost like a high school basketball game. Yes, exactly. More so than a race war, which would probably not be fun to watch. Right. And at the end of it, you see them like um, just showing good sportsmanship, like good game, good game. So I, again, this the sketch is telegraphing that it's okay to go down this road with them because, again, it's not about tearing someone down. It's just really about... <laughs> <laughs> feeling a little bit embarrassed for, for kind of what your culture has to offer sometimes. So I, I think it was fun. I, I like that it was kind of equal opportunity and you know, the, the white people were just kind of as, as much on edge as, as the, the black people. Um, I don't know why I'm continuing to dissect this because this, this can only go South if I keep talking. And yet for some reason, my mouth won't shut. Um, I think I'm going to let it go there. Cause I don't know what else I could possibly say about this without digging some <laughs> kind of a hole. So I'm just going to say this was fun. I, I think it was really smart and, uh, it delivered much better laughs and, uh, just a much better overall feeling than I was actually expecting going into it. I have one more thing. Okay. What do you got? <laughs> uh, I just love how. You know, white or black, everyone can agree that certain things are just undeniably white or undeniably sure, yes. black. You go out dressed as a Joker, 
uh-huh. you know, you, you've already lost rock climbing. Yes. yes yeah. Yeah. And don't forget rock climbing. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was pretty sharp. They, they hit a lot of really fun beats. I really enjoyed it. I, I got to say this, this one really had me grinning. Um, I'm not going to say quite like black jeopardy with Tom Hanks, but I feel like we're in similar territory with this where it's kind of inspiring because there's still camaraderie and respect between everyone on screen, even though they're kind of taking knocks at each other's culture a little bit. So that to me is a lot of fun. I think they walked that line very carefully and I, I think that they got great results from it. Yeah, for sure. Bowen Yang stops by the weekend update desk as super bitchy Chinese trade representative Chen Baiyao. What do we think of this? We get uh, Bowen Yang's debut at the desk. And this is what I was waiting for because he's a personality. And my feeling is that this is where he really needs to shine on the show. Do you, do you feel like he put his best foot forward? Oh, for sure. And he really made it clear right from the start that he was not going to be playing up any stereotypes. <laughs> right. You know, he comes out and he gives that stoic Chinese line. I mean, that's how a lot of us would see. Uh, an archetype of of an Asian character, and sure. and it's a total psych moment. <laughs> yeah, it's a power move. Yeah, it's a power move, like he says. <laughs> and then we get this super fun guy you would just want to go to a rave with, and <laughs> you know, get dehydrated. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, this may be Bo and Yang's first, you know, really big piece. Mm-hmm. If you don't count the the Kim Jong Un appearance in the first uh, episode, right? He's made for this stuff, mm-hmm. and we're going to probably see a lot of really good stuff on Weekend Update. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he seems to be really well-suited for it, because if you're going to be successful on the Weekend Update desk, you're going to have to be able to relish in your own ridiculousness. Right. You just got to be proud of everything you say, and you have to, because there's no looking away. There's no, no hiding. No, you have to own it. You have to own every second. You got to own everything you say, and uh whew. We already liked Bo and Yang from the little bits and pieces we've seen before, mm-hmm. even before he became a, a cast member. Right. So I'm just really glad to see my expectations validated. Right. Because I had a feeling he was going to do well, and here he is doing great. So kind of exceeding my expectations. Yep. Watch this piece without the context of knowing that it's his first time at the desk. Look for nerves. Look for anything that doesn't say that he's been doing this for years. You're not going to find it. It was perfectly executed. He hit every beat flawlessly. He took it over the top when he had to. Tig old biddies, right? Like when he needed to sell a line, he sold a line. Yes. He can roll his eyes like nobody's business, right? Like when he wants to be dismissive or smack someone down, he just, he, he's got that. Well, the, like the cattiness and a lot of this is just, this is germane to him. Like he, he there's a, a bit of his personality that's coming through here too, which is great because you, you kind of need that. You need to be a known quantity at the desk too, a little bit. So everything about this is absolutely what I would have wanted to see as the breakout moment for Bowen. Like this says so much about what he can offer the show and so much about his abilities and, and just what he can craft as far as a character that uh, I got to give it high marks. I got to say, yeah, not only was it great, it was smart for him. Like this is, this is what's going to position him at the show. And I was so happy to see it for sure. Hey gang, I want to take a moment to introduce you to Daryl's all natural protein bars. It's really easy for me to recommend Daryl's bars because not only have I been enjoying them myself for years, but I've also been working closely with them as a company for over a decade. And I genuinely believe that they make the best protein bar on the market. 
Now, this is no secret to us up here in Canada, because Daryl's Bars have been the go-to protein bar for Canadian athletes for years. But now for the first time, Daryl's Bars are also available in the United States. So I wanted to introduce them to our audience and get you all a great deal if you want to give them a try. So what makes Daryl's Bars so great? Well, first off, they're made with nothing but wholesome natural ingredients, including four nutrient-dense superfoods, chia seeds, quinoa flakes, hemp hearts, and golden flaxseed. Second, absolutely no preservatives, no colors, no cheap filler ingredients, just high-quality, high-protein, low-carb, low-sugar goodness that makes for a perfect workout recovery snack or on-the-go meal replacement. Daryl's Bars are gluten-free and great for people looking to trim down or bulk up. And best of all, Daryl's Bars actually taste great. Not tolerable, not yucky with chocolate on top. No, they are actually really, truly satisfying to eat. They're moist, they're not grainy or dry, they have no chemical aftertaste, and they come in 12 amazing flavors. So there's going to be at least one bar that you'll absolutely love. So here's the deal. If you go to darylsbars.com, that's D-A-R-Y-L-S bars.com, and use coupon code SNL, you'll get 10% off your entire order, plus free shipping across the lower 48 states. And that coupon isn't just a one-shot deal. You can use it every time you order from darylsbars.com, and it can even be used on top of their bulk discount pricing. If you've never tried Daryl's Bars before, I'd recommend getting one of their 12-bar variety packs, which includes all of their flavors and also one of their new keto bars. I bet you'll be hard-pressed to find even one flavor that isn't to your liking. Okay, so that's my pitch. I love Daryl's Bars. I'm pretty sure you will too. And if you use coupon code SNL when you check out at darylsbars.com, not only will you save 10%, but you'll also be helping to support our podcast. All right, enjoy. Let's talk moment of the night. What took it for you? I'm going to give it to Chloe Feynman. Okay. When she held up her rag and screamed, is this a hate crime? <laughs> right. Too much bronzer. Yes. Yeah. With that Northern Irish accent of hers. Yeah. The whole wondering if using that much makeup equates the, the brown face was just, <laughs> it was unexpected and it was, it was great. It uh, definitely caught me off guard and I had a great belly laugh from it. Yep. Definitely a fun moment. And I will never poo poo giving it to one of the new featured players because we don't always see that much of them so when they do get something fun and really land a joke absolutely yes i'm going with tig old biddies from bow and yang the <laughs> amount of gusto that he brought to that performance and just how witchy you know he, he can come across that was a real moment, and it was a great moment for Bowen Yang. I want to give a shout out to Sudi Green and also Jasmine Pierce, who collaborated on that with uh, Bowen. So uh, I think that you know there was a lot of really great moments, but I'm giving it to Tiggle Biddies. I just think that that was kind of like the showstopper right in the middle that I'll hang my hat on for this. <laughs> yeah, that definitely uh, that definitely stood out. And uh, yeah, if you're gonna go tit for tat, I mean. <laughs> We're talking back pain. Like this yeah. is this guy came to play. <laughs> Super happy that this was his breakout. I was grinning. This is the thing that put the show over for me. This is where I think it crested. And I was like, whatever they do in the back half, I'm into it. So thank you, Bowen. I think you really brought it home tonight. That's my moment. Thanks, Bowen. Best sketch. I think you should go to that uh that race competition in the newsroom. Mm -hmm. Uh it was just responsibly handled mm -hmm. and I felt that it stayed within the the unspoken rules of what we're allowed to do in this day and age on right. television. And it didn't feel like it was handicapped for it. No. I think it was able to find, you know, really good stuff to do with this premise mm -hmm. and the limitations therein. 
So going for a, you know, a racially charged thing, especially with all the stuff that happened over the summer, people are going to be viewing SNL a little bit more closely in that sense right. for that reason. So it's worth acknowledging the risk that they took to do this. Sure. And they pulled it off really well. Yeah. No, when you walk that line and you generate successful comedy out of it, that's accessible, that everyone can have fun with without anyone being too put off. You've ticked a lot of boxes. You know, you've done something that's harder than it looks. And I agree with you hundred percent. I think that was the highlight sketch of the night uh, for all the same reasons. This sketch seemed pretty mundane right up until the moment when the first news story drops, it's not a black guy and the two black anchors like slap five. And they have that little like moment of jubilation when, yeah, it's not on us. Um, right. When you get that little reveal and you realize, Oh, that's the game. That's what we're doing here. When they kind of open up the sketch and allow it to escalate from that moment forward. So much fun well-written and good-natured enough that everyone can kind of get on board and enjoy it for what it was trying to be. So a lot of fun. These are hard sketches to pull off in this day and age. And uh, this one did it. So high marks. I'll give it best sketch too. Yeah. That's uh put the line to dance on. Yep. I uh, got to offer high marks to Ego. I know that she was in the mix on that one. So uh, there's a bit of her voice there. And uh, I think it is really worth acknowledging that it's smart, very sharp and uh, very astute to be able to navigate those waters. Yep. She's got stuff worth saying. Yep, absolutely. MVP. Well, it may have been small, but I'd like to give it to Bowen. Mm -hmm. This is a big cast. So, you know, that was pretty much an equal slice of the pie. As far as I'm concerned for screen time. Yep. And what he did with it, it was, uh, it was pretty fantastic. Yep. Like you said, it's like, he's been doing it for years and he's going to be a, a breakout star. I think I'm going to call it here. Sure. Yeah. I'm not even slightly worried about Bowen. He's got so many friends at the show and so many people behind him just lining up to want to help bring him up on the show and collaborate with him and just do great things. He's already won. You know, he, he's already figured out how to run at SNL successfully and the show's figured that out. Yeah. I think they understood it from day one. They were just giving him a year to simmer, um, you know, before they brought him in, but I think they knew that that was his trajectory, but yeah, he's got everything that he needs to really thrive at SNL. And this is the first fruitage of that, that we're seeing. And it's not going to be the last, not by a long shot. He's my MVP too, for all the same reasons. You don't always give it to the most screen time. You don't always give it to the host, even though those are always the easy calls. Sometimes it's the guy that just makes the play. And this made the show for me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Likewise. All right, let's bring it home on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? We got a great. Yeah? Yeah, I think it's a great episode. Everything seems to be coming together. I found the first episode of the season kind of had a little bit of a uh, bit of a squeak to it. Mm -hmm. Like the engine was kind of dusting off a few cobwebs before sure. it was in full gear. Right. Um, this is uh, SNL you know, at its best. And I think if these trends continue, we may be talking about a classic episode okay. next week, but um, yeah, I just thought everything went really well. There wasn't really any clunker, mm -hmm. you know, we had pretty much above average sketches across the board. Yeah. So I'm happy to give it a great. Very good. I am so close to giving it a great, especially after talking, like sometimes the sketches kind of have a bit, of new life. Once you have to mull them over a bit and realize what you liked about them, there was right. a lot to like in this episode coming into this. I was squarely in the decent category. 
I thought this was super competent. Like you said, nothing bottomed out, no clunkers. There is a measure of proficiency in the writing that's really making me feel good and confident that they've just got a handle on the writing week over week. So that all bodes really well. We had a really great weekend update that had a really great feature that really buoyed the show for me. But if I'm going to try and maintain some objectivity, I feel like the rest of the show was perfectly good, perfectly competent, nothing bad about it. But I'm struggling to figure out if one really, really great weekend update is enough to elevate everything around it. And I'm not sure that it is. So I think I'm going just on the decent side of the line. But even though we don't do this, this is the high end decent for me. Like this was a solid episode, one that I can easily recommend that people should tune into. And it really makes me hopeful that we're going to continue to see some momentum build and get more material of this caliber and hopefully greater things in the weeks to come. So, so far, I think the season's off to a really good start, which is what I wanted to see because season 43 kind of went out on a whimper in a few ways. And so to know Mm. that that's not necessarily (laughs) the end of the road for SNL, that there's always uh, another week um, is just reassuring me that there's things to be excited about. And that's all I can ask for at this point. Reasonable. Okay. Very good. That's cast. Thanks to my guest, Steve Finn. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron and Trader, and Neil Weinstein. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host David Harbour and musical guest Camilla Cabello. But until then, this has been episode number 87 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. Thank you to Taylor Swift. It's an unbelievable night. I've had the time of my life. Thank you to the amazing girls. attorney has filed a $100,000 lawsuit against a batting cage company after a faulty machine fired a 75-mile-per-hour fastball into his left testicle. So I guess, ball one. (laughs) A new study finds that cats actually bond with people like dogs do, but they're too aloof to show it. Which is why I named my cat Dad. (laughs) 